0: Hey everyone, welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is your host, Gris Alves, and here we are again in a place where we share our stories in order to heal and share our experience of hope and just the transformation that our souls are happening and having in this human experience. And my guest today is amazing Lunita Velasquez. She's a first-generation American, yogini, poet, and mother of two. And I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met through the San Diego community in women's circles um, because you are doing the work of a healer here in San Diego. And so I think we met at one of our full moon ceremonies and then I went to your house for the um, working with your ancestors. And I know that you hold beautiful space for lots of women in San Diego that want to come and work it out. And so I am really excited that as a Mexican woman, I have another Mexican woman here in the room with me, willing and able to share her story, because it's important to talk about what we go through and how we're processing it and getting to the other side of of healing and of self-love and just remembering who we really are. So welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So... um Tell me, tell me everything. I know that, you know, I mean, you probably, you sent me a message saying, okay, I'm ready to share my story about recovery from alcoholism, mm-hmm. the journey through that. Mm-hmm. And so I know we'll start with that, but there's so much more. Yes. And so just, um, I don't know, take it away.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, I actually, I I want to to start at the beginning of... Noticing that there was a substance abuse problem, however, I'm actually gonna start at now um, because mm-hmm. I actually retook my vow of sobriety about 68 days ago uh, after a two year um, sobriety. Okay, so I broke my sobriety about um, I don't know I want to say around this time last year I was in a very solid place I was feeling good I was feeling healthy I was healthy I was good uh, grounded things were happening and I had that temptation you know I was traveling to Europe and I was kind of dating and oh let me have a glass of wine and and Mm. it was fine it was fine for a while and uh, it wasn't a problem at all and it was that quote-unquote healthy Relationship with alcohol, right. um, although at this point I don't really believe there really is a healthy relationship with alcohol at all, uh, but that's a whole other podcast episode. Um, <laughs> however, uh, what led me to want to talk about this is because I realized that for me substance abuse was not um, the, I guess, the epicenter of, of my life as a healer or someone walking this path. You know, it's not, it's not my fundamental story. It's a step along the path. And it, it really was the caveat, the catalyst, you know, the, the quest for sobriety, for healthiness, for being good, for being happy to be alive was um, sort of catapulted by this need to to become sober, to become well. I was uh, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. I was uh, already divorced. I had two small daughters. Um, I, I was lost. I was the complete example of a lost woman. I forgot who I was. I forgot what I stood for. I stayed afloat for my daughters, but I was drowning myself quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, my abuse with, with alcohol started so slowly so subtly Uh, Over the years, you know, partying in high school, partying in college, um, getting pregnant soon after college um, or during college, actually, and just sort of being thrown into this life as a mother, um, moving back to San Diego after enjoying a beautiful year in San Francisco, living my dream life. And I didn't have support. I didn't have the foundation. I didn't have any tools And so drinking, you know, every night when the girls went to bed and having a couple drinks was the way that I would cope. It it, it, it was a subtle beast that snuck up on me. And, you know, after being with uh, that subtle beast for a while, it seemed normal, even though there's nothing normal about having a drink every night. Uh, my ex-husband and I separated and that's when I started falling into the hole um, a lot of former substance abusers addicts whatever you want to call us uh, have this whole concept that you start to notice yourself free falling into this darkness and that's exactly what happened alcohol was um, helping me drown myself and I won't get into the details of of the stories and the things I went through and how dark it got, but just believe me when I say that it got really dark. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I had no spiritual compass. I I completely had uh, disconnected from my relationship with Source, something I had as a really young child that I completely disconnected from. And uh, around that time, uh, around three years ago, um, some dear friends of mine who are definitely some embodied earth guides for me, you know, spirit guides who took a body because they knew that I was in for some big, big work this lifetime. I guess I convinced them at some point to take a body with me. And so here we are. And they um, wanted to help me. They saw how bad it was and they wanted to help me. And everyone wanted to help me at that time. You know, I, I'm blessed to have had a support system, parents and family and dear friends who saw that i was lit- quite literally dying and wanted to help me so these friends um introduced me to plant medicine and that was the only thing at that time that i could first of all afford because when i called detex- detox facilities when i was actually ready to help myself it was a hundred i'm sorry nine hundred thousand dollars or thousand dollars just to detox or check myself into a facility yeah. And I just didn't have that cash at that time. So, long story short, um, I said yes to a an exploration of consciousness in in the hopeful pursuit of healing, and and it did come. It did come, and I attribute so many different things and so many different people along the way to my health. But
0: can I ask you about that? Yeah. Um, so, was it? Do you just showed up? There was a shaman. It was a one time thing. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Or yeah, like what is this plant medicine thing? Because I'm fascinated by that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, no, they were not shamans. Um, they were f- dear friends who actually uh, cultivated the medicine themselves. Okay. So there was a lot of love, a lot of prayer, um, and even though I, I abused alcohol, I never abused drugs. I was never into any drugs, and these sacred medicines are absolutely not drugs. Right. However, I'm just just for sort of leverage for anyone. You know, listening, you know, uh, I used to drink a lot, but that's all. Yeah. Um. And so I was very hesitant to try something, especially something that would make me face myself. Yeah. You know, and, and so the first experience I had, um, my friend and I set up uh, this special room in their home that was specifically for journeying and for meditation and for ceremony. And I was really nervous, but I was also really fucking tired. Yeah. Of, of the darkness that I was in. And so we set it up, we put prayer, we put intention. I took, um, I, I. you know, I had some medicine and, and I laid down with a blanket and I didn't know what to expect. And I, my first ceremony, literally all it consisted of was meeting my grandmother. My maternal grandmother helped raise me Rosa del Carmen Manzanares Ulloa Um, Mm. she is still with me she's sitting here right now Um, she's one of my angels she passed over when I was pregnant with my second daughter Mila so she actually never met Mila and um, so fast forward my grandma's been gone about six years at this time and You know, I missed her. I missed her, but I never tried talking to her again. I was so disconnected from the unseen realms. I was so disconnected from my spirituality. And so I'm laying there waiting to see what would happen. And I was just, you know, laying there, relaxing. We had a blanket. We had incense, relaxing music. And I was just trying to meditate, trying to drop in. And all of a sudden, in the room, my friend sitting in the corner and she's not really talking to me she's just gracefully beautifully holding space i feel this overwhelming familiarity this overwhelming familiar warmth and love so much so that i gasped i i was i couldn't even talk when i realized what was happening i said to her my grandma's here and it wasn't it wasn't um like a subtle thing it was I could smell her Mm -hmm. I could feel her warm like her chest like her abuelita breasts you know like when you hug your grandma and you're like in her soft warm boobies and her tummy (laughs) and that was what I was feeling I was literally in her uh embrace Mm -hmm. and and it was so visceral I was sobbing I was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And literally for however long my journey lasted, all we did was sit. And she asked me to please come back and get well. And, um, and so from then on, I still had a couple, I still had a while left of, of the journey. I mean, I want to say that that first encounter was in um, maybe like July and I didn't uh, take my formal vow of, of sobriety and kept it until January of the following, you know, then six months later. So it was a journey. It was a journey of finding myself. But what I'm trying to get at is in my particular circumstance, I didn't get sober from going to AA. I didn't get sober from taking, you know, some some program or something. I got sober by remembering mm. I took about six or seven months of exploration of spirituality, of finding my prayer again, finding my connection to goddess again, connection to my grandmother and my other spirit guides, uh, peeling back the veil so I could remember. In my particular story, that is the way that I arrived was through remembrance. The more that I remembered The truth of myself what i came here for the more i understood the pain i was in the more i understood the reason why i was drinking (laughs) the more i uh said yes to myself opened up my heart the more i cried the more i i mean there were some really hard nights some really hard moments it wasn't all these beautiful encounters i mean I faced my darkness. I faced my demons. I faced those parts of myself that I re- didn't want to see. I had I had to face things I didn't even know were there. And the more work I did, the more I kept showing up for it. Even though I was still drinking, it, it started to unravel until finally one day I woke up and I said, I think I'm done. And I was. And so that's the long and the short of it, as they say.
0: So the background. So, Okay. What I want to know is, how did you grow up spiritually? Like, what's your background? You know, because i'm I you know my family was like half Catholic, half nothing, half this, but mm-hmm. a lot of other different beautiful Mexican rituals. so how what was your background spiritually Catholic. that you were? okay?
1: Yes, I, I grew up very Catholic, okay. And by very, I mean my grandmother that I spoke about, uh-huh. Um, she cooked for the for the priests at the church. Okay. she. Uh, Was very involved in the church. I I mean, I went to Catholic school most of my life. Uh, So, yes, I I grew up in a very, very Hispanic, Mexican, Catholic.
0: In the mystery of.
1: Yes. However. mm -hmm, Yes. Something that I've been tuning into for a while, you know, is recently. Actually, not a while, but something I've been tuning into a lot recently is that. I had that connection to the light from a very young age. I remember mm-hmm. being really little, and you know i I would prayer do my you know um Angel de la <laughs> guarda and you know my Hail Marys and our fathers and all that. but I was going through the motions of the prayer, but I already felt connected right. you know i i i I just there was no doubt in my mind i one of my earliest memories is looking outside my bedroom bedroom window. I must have been five years old. My sister was in a crib, so she was maybe three. So yeah, I was maybe five, four. And I remember looking out my window and thinking, I want to go back to heaven. Hmm. And just, I remember that so, like, um, it's etched in my, you know, childhood memory. And now as an adult and, you know, uh, discovering my spirituality, I keep going back to these childhood moments of being, wow, I've always had this i've always known the, always the way known.
0: i've yeah. always
1: known the path and unfortunately in our society in our upbringing and our trauma in the things that happen uh some of us forget and it's very very painful and to forget not only is it painful but in my in my case it was dangerous
0: i i really like the word remembering that you're mm-hmm. using because i do think we don't give it as much credit as we as we could because deep down I mean I have a few people that'll tell me I don't remember anything from my childhood but they you know we must do some work because we ought to be able to remember and then then the programming happens and then the trauma and then this or that but coming back to remembering who you are and that were from the source of love mm-hmm. um, that's where the work is yes um, so once you decide, I mean, after you take the medicine, like, did you do more, more, I just, I want us, our listeners to know more about that work. Like if somebody's out there and they're like, I don't want to go to AA, that's not my thing. Um, because I got sober with meetings mm-hmm. with AA and it was hardcore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't touch. And so it was good. It is what I needed. I was 25. That's what I needed then. And now I'm getting more into the exploration of, yeah, psychedelics and medicine to heal, not to abuse it. But also in AA, it's like a full-on complete uh, switching of the brain. Like you can never, ever do any kind of substance ever again in your Mm -hmm. life. Well, you know, some people need antidepressants for a little bit. Some people need some other medication. Mm -hmm. Medicine, plant medicine, I'm now beginning to kind of reconcile with. um, It's different when you're in ceremony, when you're offering it to heal and to remember. than when you're out just at a rave, Mm -hmm. wanting to hear the music a little louder which in itself is an opening of consciousness i i know mm-hmm. but it can get out of hand mm-hmm. and so i'm just interested in knowing like how many more journeys that you have with it and how did your mind begin to open to remembering
1: mm-hmm. yes I'll, I'll definitely i can definitely share about that i just want to share just before that so i don't forget that you said you know uh, about um getting sober with AA versus exploring consciousness or using these sacred entheogens, these sacred plant medicines. I mean, there's a path for everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I do believe that for for me, for example, the the sacred mushroom is one of my biggest teachers. And um, the understanding that I have is that we place them here, you know, Mm. as evolved consciousness for the human journey as sacred teachers, as sacred guides, uh, Oops, to I'm help us, to help us. There's no accident, you know, in their capacity to heal. And so, if, if for me personally, it's completely set and setting. It's knowing my surroundings. It's knowing my place. It's preparation. It's psychological preparation. This is not a... Uh, this is not instead of therapy or instead of a good diet or instead of all those things. All those things must be set in place too. Eating well, sleeping well, boundaries, having a therapist, good old fashioned therapy. All these things yeah. are also crucial. What these do, in my experience, and I, this is quite literally how I experience them, when I go into medicine, is I've had the experience many times of feeling the energy or the being. um, They kind of look like really uh, like the the light beings. They sort of look like really gorgeous, light, uh, illuminated alien beings Mm -hmm. is the best way to describe them. And but what's funny is that when they come into my awareness, I'm not scared of them. They're completely familiar. They're more familiar than anything else. And I, quite literally, I have the sensation of them reaching over when I'm laying down and it's like they're pulling up my eyelids so I can see. But it's like not the eyelid on my face, but it's like the eyelid, <laughs> you know, right. it's like the eye of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I will say that it recently in the past year, I have not been journeying with um, any medicine. I, I journey through meditation i journey through my spiritual practice my sadhana um so my path has actually shifted away from this so just to say that this is for me you know it was two years of many frequent visits um but for now what's being asked of me is a complete sobriety so that's not to say that they're not there for me that's not to say that um It's not a door that's wide open And I know the way However, at this moment I'm not exploring in that way Um, And you also mentioned about the raves For me personally That was very clear That that is not for me I'm a very open channel So I have to be so careful Mm -hmm. On how I approach that So I do want to share To be so careful So discerning On who you're with Where the medicine comes from, your mental state, your ability, where your support are, because things come up and I don't go around recommending this to people. I did at first because I was so lit up. I was Mm -hmm. like, everyone should be dosed. Everyone (laughs) should try. But no, now I don't believe that at all. I've had other experiences and I've seen other things along the way where now I must say that proceed with ultimate caution because this is a portal and... Nothing should ever be approached without complete devotion, complete intention, and 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 having having just complete surrender to what may come.
0: Right, mm-hmm. and with a guide or somebody there, yes. like you said, to support you. It's... Yes,
1: even a trusted friend, mm-hmm. um, and and having the supports in place for when you return from wherever you go. Because the thing is, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what you might receive and one thing I can say is that I always received exactly what I needed even if it was what they call a bad time Mm -hmm. or a hard time it was always what I needed like for example going back to that uh, encounter with my grandmother that is what I needed they didn't need to show me some traumatic deep darkness I was already in that (laughs) what I needed was to be hugged by unconditional love unconditional love that i could feel and recognize so it came from her but that's all i needed was a hug and love mm. so it just goes to show you you will get what you need
0: right mm-hmm. yeah there's a, i'm trying to look here i have this really cool book by bruce sanguin which is called dismantled and it's his story of a return to love through um and psychedelic but with mm-hmm. his therapist with his yes. And it's very interesting. I'm going to have to find it here somewhere, but it's similar to what you're saying. Like you see things and you sense love and you're able to, Mm -hmm. um, remember and realize really your worth, Mm -hmm. of course. And I love that you say that this is along with therapy. This is along with good nutrition, taking care of your Mm -hmm. temple, your body Mm -hmm. with meditation. I know you were a yoga teacher, so that you probably getting in the body, Mm -hmm. um,
1: when I first started exploring and when I first got sober, I was so up in my higher chakras. You know, I was blown open. I could, you know, I I, I would joke, I can see through the walls. I mean, I was so altered just permanently because now I realize what was happening is I was just downloading all the information that I had been stifling for the years that I was drinking, Mm -hmm. for the years that I was in my dark hole, as I call it. So... It was like it was like wait it was like um, waking up to a sunny day for the first time after a hundred winters. So I was stoked, and the problem with that is is that nothing was embodied, nothing was grounded. So even though I was healthy and my life was changing because I was getting healthy and I was getting well and I was loving myself and honoring myself, and my whole life perspective completely went upside down from black to white. Not that that's always the truth but just the polarity you know yin and yang it was from winter to summer you know all those cheesy comparisons that i'm using but
0: well i don't think they're cheesy
1: (laughs) but but so now what i'm learning and what i what the the lesson that began about you know a year and a half ago is okay lunita that's awesome that you got sober and it's awesome that you're aware and it's awesome that you're, you know, taking care of yourself and you're on the path and you're offering as you promised you would. Great. However, now you have to embody this. Bring it into the body. Be the medicine, not just know the medicine. Mm. And so that's the path now. You know, it's it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of exercising. It's a lot of uh, watching my energy, keeping my energy inside me, myself, Um like one of my mentors says, dosing my energy appropriately (laughs) Mm -hmm. instead of just being all over the place. So there's a lot that goes into this exploration. You go in there and it's literally being inside the realm, inside the realm, inside the realm. You know, it's it's understanding the fact that we are multidimensional beings. We are not just existing on this realm. We are not just here in these 3D bodies. This is just one side of the coin and accept that the coin is actually a prism that has an infinite number of sides and so orienting to that perspective it makes sense why it's important to go slow to be intentional to have proper guidance in place because it quite literally blows you open and so you come back with all this new knowledge but it's important to go slow then and uh, workshop it And process it and start to be actually living and walking the walk versus just oh I know this and I know that and that doesn't (laughs) matter it doesn't matter it's you know it doesn't matter if you've traveled the world you know it it, what matters is if you know the culture and that's kind of like what this was it's like oh I've traveled everywhere (laughs) but I haven't learned any other languages and I don't Um... know the culture and I need to stay here in this place long enough to know To actually know what I know. To actually
0: um, live what I know. Yeah, that's, it's like you have to be so patient with the process. Mm -hmm. I feel that that's super important to mention because most of us want that instant fix. Oh, I did a ceremony, I did a medicine, Mm -hmm. boom. Mm -hmm. Um, There's still going to be some work Mm -hmm. in the process of, like you're saying, falling into the body and taking all that knowledge and working it. That's, I think. The hard part. The hard part, but if in the, what you mentioned about protecting your energy, having boundaries with energy, Mm -hmm. I can tell you, I've been working on this for 25 years (laughs) and today, for example, I was rushing, taking care of everybody else, working kids, parents, this, clients, and I realized I didn't sit down to eat. Mm. I didn't do my practice. And I think I have enough of the practice going on that I I was able to kind of just be like, okay, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm Self-compassion. I'll meditate after the podcast. But I realized when you said that, that's just me giving away my energy. It doesn't matter how much work you've done, how many meetings, how many Mm -hmm. ceremonies. It's in the discipline Mm -hmm. of the daily dropping back into this Mm -hmm. temple Mm -hmm. and noticing. And boundaries. Being able to say no Mm -hmm. to, you know, Yeah. To everyone else, until I'm taken care of.
1: Yes, yes, and I mean, for me, it's even the boundaries to to the parts of myself, maybe the smaller, less evolved parts of myself that Mm. want to fall back in a certain pattern or or you know, hang out with that one person who I know is bad news, (laughs) you know, things like that. So it's also boundaries with myself where you know the wiser version of me has to step in and be like, hey, 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 you know. We're not giving it How's this... that going to
0: end? <laughs> right.
1: And not just that, but we're not giving it away anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not giving it away anymore. And that's literally where my personal work is because the work is never over. You know, sometimes people will, you know, hear my story and they're kind of surprised. And I'm just like, why are you surprised? I'm just getting started. Yeah. You know, yeah. sobriety was just the beginning. And, you know, last summer, I. I, you know had a had a heartbreak that was a big trigger for me and well last summer <laughs> a few months ago <laughs> in june mm-hmm. and it was a trigger for me to where that healthy glass of wine that i was talking about or you know a couple drinks at a show or whatever turned into oh shit i'm drinking again like mm-hmm. i'm drinking again not not i'm having a drink i'm drinking again and it was yeah. short-lived thank God. it was short-lived And I was conscious through it all. And I said, watch, watch yourself. Mm. See how the wounds never go away. You know, the wounds are, are these wisdom keepers that will open and pull us back in if we need to keep working. And that's, that's what happened to me. And it was humbling. And I wish I could say, oh, I have three years of sobriety. No, I don't, you know. I, I took my vow again, and now I, like I said, I think I'm on day 68. Thankfully, I don't have to count because I'm so committed. It's just the way it is,
0: hmm. you
1: know. I got the firm, the firm direction of, see, see, you're not invincible, and and it was humbling. And not only was it humbling, it was really beautiful because when I first took my vow of sobriety, I was in that really stoked, elevated place I told you about. And this time I took it from this humbled, softer, Mm. wiser place where I was so compassionate with that part of myself. Where Mm. I was like, wow, you know, she 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 has pain. And thankfully, the pain is what propels me to show up in the way that I show up for my community, for the people that come to my class, for my children. You know, it's I'm no better than anyone. And I'm not going to pretend that I am. And unfortunately, in our spiritual community, sometimes that happens. Right. Where there's the yeah. spiritual ego. And my addiction is my ally, you know, to keep me humble, to keep me aware that I am not impervious to how damaging our system is to the psyche. To my psyche.
0: Yeah. I mean, the it's the temptation to... Just try to not, I don't want to feel mm-hmm. that. I don't want to feel mm-hmm. that. I'll just have more and more, one more drink. Mm-hmm. Or one more piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Or I'll go run 100,000 miles. You know, right, anything right. to not feel mm-hmm. is such a part of being human. I really totally think it's so cool that how you had so much self-compassion for yourself. And you just said it. You said, watch, watch. Mm-hmm. It's like my teacher tells me, notice what's going on just notice and sit with it because i tend to judge myself oh my god i can't believe it and then i go then i get upset because i'm judging the judgment and right. i mean it's just like this whole it's worth might as well go drink i mean it's so bad right. mm-hmm. so the love that you that you are able to hold for you is man Lunita, that's huge tell us how to do that
1: <laughs> i i mean i can think i mean honestly I I believe in my world view so far I mean I'm only 33 so please don't hold me to it I I have the right to change my mind and learn something else but so far I believe that you know we all incarnated with very specific contracts which of course are, are you know written in pencil things can be rewritten and there's free will however I do believe that there is a fundamental overarching goal for each incarnation and within that um souls that choose to incarnate with us um you know the the cycles of karma and i had the blessing of having my two daughters olivia and mila say yes to being with me for asking me to make them bodies hmm. and so they anchor me you know yeah. they anchor me so i'm not you know if, if they they weren't around i'd probably be in a cave by now with the yoginis and you know some mountain and. Somewhere in India or Nepal or, you know, and that's okay. I've probably done that for many lifetimes. And in this lifetime, I want the spiritual opening, the connection that comes to me so easily. But here as a mother, as a Mexican woman, as a Mm -hmm. feminist, as a writer, you know, as I'm in the trenches, I'm in it. I am not... Supposed to just go meditate in the, on the mountain, you know, or or in the jungle. Yeah. I, I'm, Guerrera, I'm, yes, we're in the war. I'm, we're in the That's war, right. exactly, exactly. And so I don't know the answer to how. It's a practice every day. Every day I wake up and I say, how can I love myself? I mean, after all, like you say, Guerrera, you know, after all this fight, I'm not going to give it up, <laughs> you know. It's like, hell no, we tried really yeah. hard, <laughs> You know, to, to stay. And it's
0: my birthright.
1: Yes. You know? It's like I'm here. I went mm-hmm. through all the effort of leaving my home planet <laughs> to come to Earth. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah. And, and I realized that the most radical, the most punk rock, the most hardcore thing we can do is to love ourselves. Yeah. I mean, with everywhere I look, there's an excuse not to. Everything I see is a reason to judge myself either internal or external uh, triggers for it. And and not only that, but I'm raising two women, two small women, you know. And so yeah. when I notice myself judging, oh, my gosh, I gained some weight or, oh, man, this or that. Really? Yeah. Hey, would I talk to my daughters like that? Yeah. No. So, so I can thank them in my particular lifetime for always, you know, look at them and I'm just... There's no excuse for me to play it small. I can't, you know, I cannot. It's not really an option for me.
0: Yeah. My kids are my biggest teachers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it again. Like, or I'll hear them say some type of comment. Oh, I don't know my boost. Hour. I don't like, mm. I'm like, okay, I got to tell you guys, I'm sorry I said that. Right. That's completely um, not healthy, not wholesome. That's not who we are. And, you know, they kind of blow me off a little bit. They're teenagers. Mm-hmm. But I know they listen. Mm-hmm. They don't blow me off at all. I mean, I think they do. I don't know if they do. But, but yeah, it's so important to, to just have a kindness for me right. in front of them and, like, you know, be my own cheerleader so that they can see that. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a family where everyone was just always making fun of everybody else. Ha, yes. ha, joking. La gordita, la esta, la. And it's... And it can be a lot, very entertaining, but very damaging and hurtful. Yeah. And then you get used to it.
1: For for me, it actually wasn't entertaining. I was such a sensitive mm-hmm. being, which I still am, you know. But I was a very sensitive child, and I grew up, you know, with yeah, fifteen cousins, male and female, you know, range age range from, you know, eight years older than me to eight years younger, and, you know, la carrilla pesada. La carrilla, yeah. Y, yeah. it was too it was too much for me um it it, it i really internalized a lot of their stories uh, yeah. and the ways that they tease me and I've, i mean i always joke i think I've we've joked about this about how when you're the black sheep of the family like i am the black sheep yes. of my family but except i'm a rainbow sheep i'm not a black sheep i'm a rainbow sheep and <gasps> yeah. but you know, so I had glasses, I was tall and awkward, you know, I was like six inches taller than everyone. And um, so, yes, I, I definitely grew up n- being taught that loving myself was not, um, well, I grew up being taught. It's just that not modeled. It, it's not you know? modeled and it was made so difficult. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the ex- excavation of that, the mm. excavation of the self-love is so beautiful yeah. and it's so motivating. You know, and it's interesting because the more I love myself, the less I need to prove anything. Right. So it's, it's interesting, you know, it's like the more I love myself, the less I have to, you know, wear makeup or do my hair or do the thing or, and it's not that there's anything wrong with those things. I I do those things sometimes when I feel like it, but it no longer, the way that I look um, or the ego or the label, whatever you want to call it, whatever I place on myself is no longer the way that I...
0: You're not sourcing your value from that. No, no, I'm not at all. I just did that podcast last week about mm -hmm. how we're... The appearances that kill our soul because you Mm -hmm. think that it's outside when really it's an inward job. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I never felt I never loved myself anymore because someone told me I was beautiful, you know. Yeah. It, that didn't that didn't help. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I I learned that that wasn't the answer. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. Oh, well, thank you so much um for coming here. I so tell us I know you teach yoga. I need to come to your yoga class. Yes. Tell us where you teach yoga and how we can get there or what Yeah. I'm going to put this also on the podcast thing. Okay. you know to find you but um yes
1: yeah, so i currently um have a pretty reduced teaching schedule because i do have a day job and two daughters who have extracurriculars and a whole other you know bunch of passion projects however i do teach regularly uh sundays at 5 p.m and mondays at 7 p.m at honey yoga okay. uh in on alcohol boulevard in city heights san diego Um, and I also offer one-on-one, uh, intuitive guidance, um, yoga meditation classes, and I do a monthly full moons, full moon women's circle. And I promise that my website will come soon. It's been always put on the back burner, but that will come soon. And for now I do, uh, share my offerings on Instagram, uh, via I am rainbow heart. And, uh, yes, I, I, my, my offerings are always shifting. Uh, Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. I'm still very much in my own deep process and my own deep learning. So sometimes I feel very resourced to offer and take on a lot of one-on-ones and a lot of circles. And sometimes I have to kind of stay in my little, um, you know, cocoon and and do my own work. So it's sort of ebbs and flows.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. I think that's, the freedom to be able to do that and not fall in this trap of produce, produce, hustle, mm-hmm. hustle, like they tell mm-hmm. us is mm-hmm. um, that's a beautiful, kind to yourself example of leading, mm-hmm. especially your offerings, you yes. know. Well, thank you. Thank we'll be you. looking for yeah. I Am Rebo Heart events. Thank you. And um, is there one message you want to give to our listeners, our Mexican mm-hmm. woman, or humans in general just trying to? grasp on to some type of is there more than this
1: mm-hmm. there is a lot more mm. than this and and i guess two things i mean for the mexican women or all the brown women and all the black women and all the women really is um we we've got to claim ourselves back we have to reclaim who we are what we are what we stand for and the way that we can get to that is by looking in the mirror, asking with sincere intention, sincere prayer, tuning into the ancestors, um, that deep diving work, visiting your inner child, visiting the yeah. views of the past, because they have so much knowledge and wisdom. And no, the thing is, the trick, though, is that no one can show us. We can have guides along the way, teachers along the way, but really it's it's yeah. sourced from yes the I truth we all carry our own truth um, and I I for anyone out there who's listening who feels hopeless or is in that dark hole uh, if if there's any ounce of you that has any hope left just with every ounce of strength that you have any part of you that's grasping onto your life ask Please show me and mean it. Hmm. Ask whoever and whatever, a flower, the sky, goddess, God, Jesus, an angel, a rock, a stranger, anything and anyone that you feel holds some truth and love for you, an answer for you, ask with intention to please be shown. Ask every day and every moment and it will start to unravel. I do believe that our prayers are always answered. We just have to be open. We have to mean it. We have to look yeah. around. Um, hope is not lost. None yeah. of us are left behind. We are so guided, so supported, even when it doesn't feel like it, especially when it doesn't feel like yeah. it.
0: We are not alone. Mm-mm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much (laughs) for coming. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this week's Tales of Recovery. And we'll see you next time. Namaste.
1: Namaste.